Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Curtis Stewart. Hello, hello, hello. And our amazing guest, longtime friend of the show, high school friend of mine, Bradley Zorgdreger. Yeah. I mean, you weren't in, you were in high school. I wasn't in high school. Just making that, yeah, making just, that clear, you know, but so you people were like don't 21. think that I'm, yeah, yeah. I don't want people to think I'm a, I'm a young baby. Not quite. I'm, you know, do not want people to think that, but for now, I want people to think that I'm old and mature, which I'm not. <laughs> so what have you been up to since you were last on the show? Uh, shit, man. I mean, I think last time I was on the show, I was kind of not uh, writing about music as much. Just, you know, um, there was a lot, you know, going on in the world that felt a lot more important than writing about, you know, metal bands. Um you know, with Black Lives Matter and all the, all the protests uh, therein, and then even you know the COVID stuff, I was just like, what's what's the point? You know, it feels like at, at, at best it feels silly and kind of unnecessary. At worst, it feels uh, downright offensive to be uh, stepping on top of people if you can, av- on top of other people's voices if you can avoid it. Which you know, I could. I mean, for some people, obviously, like. I mean, it is my livelihood, but I'm also in Canada where we uh, get some help from our government when uh, COVID is happening. So I was kind of able to put that stuff on the back burner to kind of let, uh, you know, black voices rise to the top and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm back to writing music and I'm, I'm in school now, which is wild, just for a year for advertising copywriting. Um, I don't remember the last time I talked to you guys, if I was like, for real, um, working with Brand of Sacrifice on their management team, but I am now for real, like officially, like I got an at Brand of Sacrifice uh, email address. So nice. I feel, I feel, I feel like that's that's probably about it. Um, you know, it's hard to remember when I was last on it when the entire thing just blurs together into this fucking COVID mess. You know what I mean? But yep, I think I think that uh, that just about sums it up. So, so what kind of stuff you- have you been learning in copywriting school? Uh, so far, it's been a lot of, um, specific techniques, um, which makes it, you know, difficult. And one thing that my professor told me and my friends who do advertising have told me is that it's not really a, it's not really something that happens when you're working at an agency or whatever that will ask you to use a specific technique for a headline. You can just use whatever technique fits it best. Um, so that makes it more difficult because you're trying to come up with a multitude of um, ideas using one or two specific um, techniques for writing headlines, um, which I guess is, is the point. It kind of forces you to, to learn them, even if some of your ideas aren't the best, so that when you are in the position where you can you know, say whatever uh, fits the messaging uh, best, you are well-versed in all of them and you can kind of uh, pick the best one. So yeah, right now it's, it's pretty... Uh, pretty wide right now what we're learning it's very much about um 
you know, audiences and this and that. It's not as specific about doing yet, which we're, we're slowly starting to get into. And then from my understanding of uh, friends who have done the program before and, and teachers and stuff, it's kind of like, uh, it's like a roller coaster, you know, when you're at the top and you kind of start going slow and then you, you know, go down the drop and it's going to be super, super intense uh, with writing, writing ads and, and this and that. So, uh, yeah, not, I feel like I've, I'm learning the, 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 the blocks right now, the building blocks, and I'm not really doing too much building with them. And that'll come probably within the month and then it'll be kind of like full time. Go, go, go. You know, that's awesome. No, Brad, Bradley, one question. You are, you've already got a degree in, in journalism, correct? Yeah, I have a degree in, I, um, I have a degree in, I have a diploma in journalism and I have a, um, degree in media studies and another diploma in media studies. So now what, what got, caused you to want to do copywriting next then? Is it to help those things or is it like to do something different? Dude, I'm going to, I'm selling out. I'm, I'm sick of writing about metal. It doesn't pay the bills. No, I, I mean, I just wanted to, I want to, I want to interact honestly, dude, with, with music on my own terms and for fun, instead of, you know, having to cover something just to pay the bills that I don't really care about. And that makes it incredibly difficult to care. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to do it on my own terms. And, you know, in doing that, the best way I think for me to accomplish that is just to, um, yes, to get, get a, a, a career job and then kind of have this on the side for fun. And that's, that's my, um, that's my move. And I'm looking, Ooh. I'm looking forward to it. So I wanted to get into the advertising industry in general, because I think it's incredibly interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't know how, but you know, as a writer, obviously copywriting is kind of the way in. I don't know if it's necessarily the be all end all, like maybe I'll want to be more on like the overall strategy and less about the specific writing, but knowing all of the skills, they all kind of work together and that's very important. So I'm glad to do it like I'm doing it. So. Fair enough. How do you think the uh, doing the other things that you're currently doing is going to help you with the learning advertising? Um, it's, um, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I, I've written a lot more than most people in my program, I think, have written um, because of that. And I've written, the one thing that my friend who works in advertising told me is that I've, I've worked in like a very specific um, voice. And, yeah. um, and, um, yeah, so I, um, and that's what advertising is, I think more so now than ever before, is like you're talking specifically to very, very specific target demographics, right? Like, because yeah, yeah. everything can be micro-targeted. Yeah. So because everything can be micro-targeted, like, yeah, like I feel like knowing how to talk specifically to a death metal fan versus like a black metal fan is, you know, it's not, it's not transferable in the, in the exact content or the, or the content or the exact content, but you know, knowing uh, audiences and stuff like that, my friend thought that having very specific audiences that I talked to was a, was a benefit there. So I think that that's good. Um, and you know, just, you know, other more basic things like key, keywords and, and stuff like that, right? Like I know how to use a keyword in SEO and whatever. So more basic stuff, but I think especially knowing how to deal with specific targets, um, that'll be beneficial. That's what I've really found writing ads has been like any time you can sort of, and I want your opinion on this. Cause for me, anytime you can sort of like do a nudge and a wink to be like, look, I know a lot about this thing too. People connect to you more. Like when I was doing the Necrot ad campaign, I was doing stuff like press play die. Right. Because like 
I know that Necrot fans will think that's funny. Um, how do you identify and how do you speak in a voice to people that make sense to that demographic? I think the thing is, you know, coming from where you're coming from, which is as much, uh, you know, more, more DIY thing. You know, I don't think any Scotty doesn't have a fucking brand guideline for Necrot, I'm sure. Um, whereas like these companies have briefs and they have their voices that they want you to talk in and, and stuff like that. So you kind of have to, it's less so developing it and more so working within the framework of what somebody else has and why they have it. And then obviously you can kind of change your messaging, but you still have to kind of talk in the same kind of uh, voice. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, like you might have a really good idea for something that's kind of punny and, and jokey, but the, the company's voice is very serious and you know, it dies before it's even on the vine. You know what I mean? Like before it's even bloomed, it's dead because it just doesn't work with them. Whereas some some brands are a lot, you know, funnier and this and that. Like I'm I'm willing to bet that if you were to try to put a joke on a Necrot ad that wasn't something to do with like death or brutal stuff, they would have put the kibosh on it, right? Like of course, of course. if you tried, I don't know, if you tried to make some kind of joke about how sexy it is, like they would have been like, no, that doesn't fit with a thing because and then there are some companies that, you know, you can joke within their, their realm, but you can't, um, you can joke within the realm, but you can't, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. You can't joke without, with like beyond their realm, but I'm sure there are other companies where you just can't joke, period. It's just a serious company, right? So, I mean, I, I would prefer to joke at all times, personally, because I think funny stuff rocks, but I also do mm -hmm. think that and I, I don't think it'll ever fully go away, like jokes in advertising. Um, but, you know, in terms of companies like, you know, Wendy's and their Twitter, which is very, like, uh, you know, verbose and aggressive and making jo jokes, like, directly at the expense of people who tweet at them and this and that, like, I do think that that's happening a lot. <laughs> Call it the counterparts effect, because I feel like Brendan from Counterparts was being an idiot as a band before other bands were doing it and before brands were doing it. And I doubt that most of these brands picked it up from Brendan, but um, he was kind of the first one that I saw doing it. And I, um, I think people are going to, people are already kind of starting to see through it and see it as disingenuous. Um, as, as companies doing it to kind of appeal to quote unquote, you know, the kids, I'm one of the kids, I'm hello, my fellow children, you know, like that kind of shit, like that a fucking Steve Buscemi meme or whatever. Um, so I think that it's going to swing back the other way. And I don't think that jokes will ever fully go away, but I do think that there's going to be a period where it has to be a little bit more uh, straight. Um, for a bit and I yeah I mean everything you know operates on a pendulum whether we're talking about you know about advertising there or whether we're talking about music like you know like pop punk stuff was like super fucking goofy for a long time with like Blink-182 and some 41 and they're funny and they they have sex with girls and then they cry about it in a funny way in their songs and then it kind of swung back the other way and all the pop punk bands were like no we're actually sad like not just like sad I got my heart broken and tomorrow I'm gonna go you know bang somebody else like I'm actually heartbroken and I want to die you know and then I'm sure it'll eventually kind of swing back the other direction and when it swings back the other direction it'll be funny again but as with like you know a pendulum in general the most um energy on that swing is at first and it kind of starts to normalize down into the middle um each swing it swings uh less distance out uh to the pole 
And so I think that, you know, we swung all the way out to ridiculous Twitter voice and we're going to swing back to serious Twitter voice, but a little bit less serious than before until the world kind of figures out exactly what the perfect Twitter voice is for that moment. And the funny thing is that when we get to that moment, uh, it'll probably be time that Twitter doesn't matter anymore. There'll be something new. Uh, and, and, and so it goes, you know, the, we figure out the voice and everything's perfect and it's being perfected. And then people have moved on to another platform and it doesn't matter anymore. Yep. So I want to move on to just onto uh, productivity since that was going to be our main thing theme. And I know you yep. only got like about 10 minutes left. Um, I so, mean, yo, I'm walking like back to yeah. my class because I had to go for a mission. So I can maybe just show up a little bit late for my class. Just, to, you know, if I'm, if I'm not in my house, I can't fucking, I can't do my class. I'm not there. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm kind of walking my way back. Walk into a room and whip out your homework out of your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm walking around Toronto in uh sentence sweatpants and, uh, Grave diggers long sleeve. Actually, both of these nice. came from boot, bootleg companies that Chase from Gate Creeper made. So there you have it. Nice. So uh, on on productivity. So what what would you say is the key to being productive? Because I mean, you got a lot of stuff that's on the go all the time now, especially now that you're going to school. I know you said you're not freelancing quite as much anymore, but generally you have a lot on your plate. So what what how do you organize your day? Uh honestly, for me, the key of productivity because I'm I'm not great at being productive for as much stuff as I have going on because I get distracted a lot and go waffle and this and that but the key to productivity for me is just deadlines you know if I have a deadline I'll make it happen like I had a deadline for a vile creature uh, article that I had to submit for exclaim and the deadline was like Monday morning um they had asked for it Friday uh and I was like no I'll just give it to you Monday morning because you're not going to work on it over the weekend so so I did uh and I had some difficulty working on it on Sunday night I had some mm -hmm. stressful stuff happen that was making it difficult to concentrate. So I woke up at five in the morning and I banged the piece up. It was awesome. Um, so deadlines kind of, you know, really, really worked for me. And then, you know, just having a, a priority sequence. Um, mm -hmm. So right now, you know, school, school and brand of sacrifice are number one. School is, I'm paying for it. You know, it's obviously very important for career advancement and brand of sacrifice, like, we're working towards an album coming out. Like that was a commitment I made. Every article that I make is a much smaller commitment. It's for, you know, a, a period of, you know, maybe a couple weeks of we figure out the article, we pitch it, we get the interview to happen and I write it. So mm -hmm. I can, I can kill those. I can put the kibosh on those if I need to. And I will, um, because I have my priorities and my priorities are uh, school, random sacrifice, and then everything else comes after that. Um, you know, if, if there's an article and somebody really wants me to write an article and they let me know that they want me to write it, I don't know, five days before it comes out, I'm going to say no, because I don't have the time and it would be an irresponsible use of my time. So I think for me, it's about, you know, deadlines and, and being very good at following them when they, when they come up and, you know, when push comes to shove, I get it done. But then also just managing, managing what I have to do, like any external factors that are putting pressure on what I need to do because I know that if I get too much, I'll just freak out. And the only reason that I'm not really like freaking out right now is because I have too many articles and like videos and this and that too much, too much stuff going on. And the only yeah. reason that I'm able to not freak out right now is that I know that I'm going to be, you know, this will be for a couple of weeks and then it'll be a little bit calmer and then a little bit calmer as I kind of dial back on what I'm doing. Um, yeah. 
in terms of extracurriculars during school. Like I, I definitely wanted um, beyond my, you know, I usually do a premiere for decibel a week uh, mm -hmm. and then school and then brand stuff. And beyond that, I wanted to do one extracurricular week, be that, um, you know, uh, a feature that I'm writing, a banger review or um, interviewing somebody for, you know, some kind of podcast or whatever. I kind of wanted to do one thing a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of realizing that that's not the best use of my time. So as far as articles, I'm more or less just focusing on stuff that is timely and not evergreen. If there's something mm -hmm. evergreen, I just write it in a document. And as soon as I'm done school, I'll just go through my document and just be like, all right, I'm going to write this one now. All right, I'm going to write this one now. If an album's coming out imminently, I'll cover it now. But it's just being smart, smart with my time because I know that when I'm actually using my time, I'm not good with my time. How, how many hours a day would you say that you generally tend to work out of curiosity? 14 hour work day? No. Um, 14? <laughs> oh, no, uh, I, I don't know. Um, and I mean, my, my thing is like, if I'm not on like a, like a deadline, I, I, I do kind of like waffle sometimes. Like, you know, if I'm, you know, just writing an article that doesn't really require me to listen to anything, I'll listen to some kind of music that I'm reviewing for Banger or something, which yep. is fine, but it does kind of take my mind away from it a little bit because I'm not passively listening to the music. I'm trying to actively listen to the music mm -hmm. while I'm writing. Uh, mm -hmm. So it really, it really depends um, on a few things. Like I'm definitely able to, you know, to hunker down when I need to. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, in, in that kind of situation where I've got an article that, you know, not due for a few days and you know i've got a banger review that i gotta film the next week i'll kind of just like kind of you know chill and work on my article a little bit and listen so i mean school generally for most for three days a week i have school for like six or seven hours and mm -hmm. then the, one other day i have school for like four hours and then i have three days off and you know beyond that i work on homework and this and that so i don't know man probably i don't know probably 10 hours you know well, at least um, in, if you count school. Yeah, 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 no, 10, yeah, 10, 10 to 12 hours, but, you know, I'm trying to, because I'm realizing that I am working too much, um, yeah, yeah. trying to, to carve my, uh, carve my own place out in that, um, and that might mean dialing back on a few the articles here and there, um, because the one extracurricular assignment a week just isn't really sustainable. Um, so yeah, I don't know, 10 to 10 to 12. And you know, when push comes to shove, uh, it probably stays 10 to 12, but in a much more efficient way. But you know, if I don't have any like crazy deadlines coming, I'm, and I'm working, I'll just, you know, I'm just, you know, working and I'll text my friend and then oh, someone needs to talk to me and I'll call them, you know, whatever. I'm kind of chill about it. But yeah, when push comes to shove and I'm super busy, it's like, you know, I'll work the same amount, but it's, no fuck around time just get, get your head stick put your head down and do it so i'm waiting for matt to comment now that you actually do the 14 hour work day no I, I said 10 to 12 i didn't say 14 i don't do 14 true <laughs> so let me ask you this so just on another thing for productivity one one common question i know that a lot of people have uh when it comes to writing is like for someone like you i mean it's basically your career is writing as a general yeah. rule. So how do you kind of overcome, you know, the inertia and in getting moving into actually writing an article? Uh, 
I just think about it a lot and the idea will come to you about how you want to start it. I mean, the more you have to force it, the more difficult it becomes. Um, whereas like if you have a lot of time to kind of, kind of arrive at the best place, uh, that's good. Uh, and I kind of didn't for the bio feature one though. I, I kind of didn't, I didn't have enough time to think about it. Kind of was just like, okay, you've got to write this fucking article now, go. Uh, and you just got to start. And it's something my mom told me a lot. She's like, Bradley, like just start, start writing and you'll kind of figure it out. And, uh, that's something that I've, you know, that I've had to, had to do. So in a perfect world, I'd have all the time in the world to, you know, wait and have my notes there and think about the best way to start it and the best way to end it and then kind of start, but that's just not realistic, you know, in, in this, but also in advertising, you know, sometimes you come up with your best ideas when you're away from it and you're not really thinking directly about it. Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, in, in a perfect world, I love to do that, but you know, we don't live in a perfect world. So I, uh, you know, when I can, I let the ideas come naturally to me when, uh, when I can't, I, I fucking force them. And, uh, sometimes it's not exactly what you wanted, but, uh, it's pretty darn good and that's good enough. Right. So fair enough. So, so like the next question in regards to that then is then, so like, let's say that you get an assignment for some, for something that you're not too incredibly interested in, which I'm sure you've had in the past. How do you kind of like get yourself motivated to write something like that? Um, I did, you, you just do, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, if I have to do it, it's due, I'm getting paid for it. You just do it and you kind of take, um, take joy in the fact that it's not going to harm you if it doesn't do as well. Like you're not going to be as invested. So if it's not as perfect as you want it to be, that's fine. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Yeah. I, I always just viewed it as like good practice that it was just like, well, at least I get to try to write an article about a thing I don't know. And now I have to just, it makes me better. I mean, that's how I always felt. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, makes you better when you have to do something that you don't know. I mean, I think I learned a lot when I was um, interning at Exclaim and doing a lot of, um, like, a lot of writing about, you know, just news stories that they needed somebody to write about, and I was the intern, so I did it. Um, and I don't think I'm ever going to write about the Red Bull DJ competition again, just because it's not in my um, in my realm. I mean, I hope that I get to write about, about Red Bull again, because Red Bull's sick, but... Um, yeah, it definitely like kind of forces you to learn other ways to say things and ways. I mean, kind of part of the reason I wanted to move away a little bit from um, from metal journalism is just like how many ways can you say something's fucking brutal before you're bored of the fucking synonyms of the word brutal? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. What's your favorite way to say something's fucking brutal? I don't know. I don't, it changes every day. It changes based on, you know, my memory. It changes based on, uh, like, yeah, like, if I remember saying it like that recently. But the thing that I have to remember myself or constantly is that, like, other people don't remember your articles in the same way that you do. So I might be like, oh, five years ago, I wrote something that was quite similar to this. I can't yep. do that. It's repeating myself, but nobody else remembers that. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know. My favorite way, here, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say my favorite technique for writing something and calling it brutal is when it, ties directly in to the band uh and their branding in a way that's clever but not obvious so if i was writing about aborted i wouldn't say like oh it's like an aborted fetus you know like that's too obvious but you know if i make reference to some kind of armageddon because they have their album gormageddon like i like that because it's kind of like a subtle nod to people who know so i like doing that kind of stuff it's kind of like when I buy vinyl, I prefer the album artwork to 
looks like, or I prefer the vinyl variant to, to work well with the album artwork. That's my favorite thing. So I like, I like when I can make like little nods, it makes me happy. 100%, I think that's super valid. So just moving forward, just circling back to the advertising degree, the class you're about to go back into, what do you see yep. as your end goal with advertising? What do you want to be doing in a year when you've graduated and maybe life is a little bit more normal and you can like get like, like the job market is like not a mess? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, ultimately I want to do more like experiential kind of, you know, out of home kind of stuff where people are walking around the city and then they see something cool because they think that that connects with people a lot more than, uh, you know, just a simple ad in a magazine or, you know, a Facebook ad or this or that. So I definitely want to do more of that, but I'm also realistic about the fact that that's not necessarily going to be a full career. Um, that's going to be a part of campaigns, but a, like not the biggest part of campaigns because it's quite expensive. Um, but, you know, in a perfect world, I would do a lot of that. And then, you know, everything else kind of works with that. And I think that's the, that's an important thing in advertising is that everything kind of works together. There's no one... If you have an agent, so my friend was helping me, and like, if you haven't, like, you know, thinking about getting into this industry and how to get into this industry and this and that, and um, yeah, so she she was asking me like, what kind of agency I wanted to work work for, because you know, there are agencies that focus on social media, and there are agencies that focus on experiential, and there are agencies that focus on this and that, and I think the key thing is it has to be an agency that focuses on it, but is aware that it's a part within a larger whole. Um, I think, you know, you have to let each individual campaign kind of dictate how you do it. So if you, if you focus on experiential and you do a lot of experiential, that's cool. But sometimes you've got to, you know, recognize that the individual campaign you're working on might not be best suited for that. And as much as that sucks for somebody like me who wants to focus on that, uh, that's kind of the world that you're, that you're living in, that you're working for. I mean, honestly, like it's not that far off from, from music press. Um, and by that, I mean, um, you know, with some, with some bands and some genres, you can get super nerdy um, about asking, I don't know, like I did an interview with Yob and Bellwitch and um, Yob were talking about like recording the album and how like they, they had an amp with a spring in it and they were shaking it up on, like shaking it up with the music and then on the downbeat, they threw it at the ground. So it like hit with a crash and it kind of picked up like reverberations, I guess, differently because of that. And like, you can do that with like a nerdy ass doom metal band. Whereas like, if you tried to do that with the people who wrote Madonna's music, you know, people just want to hear the earworms. They're not going to read that. So it's like just kind of recognizing each situation uh, for what it is. You know, like if you're interviewing a tech death band, you can talk more about shredding techniques because there's a good chance that a lot of their fan base gives a fuck about playing guitar. Whereas like, if you're talking to a doom, a doom band and you're just like, oh, how do you play this riff? They're like, I let it ring out and then I play the next note and it's very chill, you know, like, so you just got to kind of recognize each situation for, for what it is. So as much as I want to focus on experiential, I'm also, I'd like to be a special, a specialist on that. Like, you know, I guess, uh, you know, what, what did I say? Like Jack of all trades, master of none. I want to be master of one, but be a Jack at all of them. You know what I'm saying? All the other ones so that I don't go into any situation where I'm unaware of what I'm doing. Very well said. I appreciate that. Thank you. I think that's a good place as I need to leave it off. Uh, this oh, is yeah. the Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done okay. yet?